listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. As I said, if you haven't uh, been here over the last few weeks, then make sure you go online and pick up the first three messages around creating a pathway to financial freedom. I began with this verse, which personally shifted the way that I began to place an expectation in this area before God. Comes out of 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And the Bible says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Never buy into the fact that you're a special case. Believe that God is bigger than your challenges. God is able to make all grace, not just some grace, all grace abound towards you. Then he goes on and saying that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I'm not gonna re-preach this, but I'm just saying, just marinate in this. Think about it. Go, you know what? We are stuck and God says we don't have to be stuck. So there's a grace, there's an understanding that we need to embrace and, and wrap our hearts and our heads around so that we can move forward. And I pray that this series has been beneficial because we're talking about how do we manage our financial worlds? And uh, the, the thought is this, that financial freedom requires principled faith. You can just have a belief that it will change or you can go, God, I know you can do this, but what are the steps that I need to take? What does your word encourage me or help me understand that I've got to take these steps? And of course, godly wisdom is needed for us to discover both freedom and a breakthrough in the area of money. Money, by the way, answers many challenges. If you have a breakthrough in money, you can do a whole lot of things. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 19, that a feast is made for laughter. When you get together as a family and you meet around the table and you just do something together, there's a lot of laughter. Then it says, and wine makes merry. That's in the Bible. Some of you are writing that point down right now. Wine makes merry, see? Uh, then it says the statement, this is Ecclesiastes, and money answers everything. So therefore, if I don't understand money, I'm not gonna have the answers over some things. Money ultimately directs the way we live, the, the blessing we can bring to others. It, it controls, restricts, or liberates us. And Jesus picked this up and He said in Matthew chapter 6, 21, by the way, we're your treasurers. So what you treasure most in your life will lead you. If you treasure God's kingdom, it will lead you. If you treasure the words of God, it will lead you. If you treasure possessions, if you treasure kind of getting to the top of the money world just for money, that's where your heart will be also. It's not the other way around. We think, you know, where our heart is, we'll put our treasure. No, where your treasure is positioned, it's literally the opposite. Your heart will be entangled with it. That's why Jesus taught this. If you have a lot of money and if you don't understand principally how to live that money, that money will become the one that leads you and directs your thinking, your responses and your future. It's not the other way around where you position your money, your heart will begin to follow. So week one, we looked at money's misunderstandings. 
Week two, we talked about stewarding determines financial lordship. You can receive Jesus as Saviour, but He's not Lord in your financial world until you embrace the fact that we are to steward. In other words, our increase, the first tenth, goes back to Him. It's a test. It's a, it's a God moment where we are inviting God to position Himself in our finances so that we're not consumed by a lack or consumed by a lot. And it breaks the spirit of money in our lives. That's why there's so much contention around tithing. Because it's not kind of we're paying the church's bills. No, this is a God decision or a mammon decision. Hear it again. On every increase, not just one increase. Every time we increase. So we looked at stewarding that it determines financial lordship. In fact, let's go to James who's on the screen today. He's talking to us about tithing. My name is uh, James Narayan and originally from Fiji. Is tithing a challenge on a daily basis or not? I could say yes and no. Yes, it's a challenge because a lot of times I get to hear other voices as well. Okay, you've got a mortgage to pay. I'd love to be debt free. I'd love to drive the best luxurious car, but is that a need? And then I've got my school fees to pay for my kid. And uh, the new iPhone 12 or 13 is out. Can I not pay tithe this week and buy that new iPhone? So there's a lot of voices coming in, but then it kind of goes back to the commitment aligned in the sand that tithe is non-negotiable. That's my commitment to Him. So either it's in my finances, it's in my relationship, in everything, I learn to trust Him. So I guess that's one encouragement to others, just learn to trust in Him. Yeah. Thanks James. We got him up early to do that this morning. Week three, we talked about the need to realise that harvest requires seeding and saving. If you want to create a harvest in your world and in other people's worlds, then God's saying seed creates harvest. One seed invested creates multiple seeds. It's not just a blessing back to you, but you unlock something for someone else. There's this multiplying effect. Saving creates a generational foundation. When you understand that on every increase, you should be saving some because there's a bigger purpose than your current need which takes us to week four. And I wanna talk today about spending. Most people think they've got this down pat, but I'm gonna take the angle of this thought that unnecessary spending robs freedom. I'd love everybody in the house to write that one down. Not necessary, but unnecessary spending robs freedom. You see, Spending determines the freedom on so many fronts. If you are spending beyond your means, you're worrying about money all the time. If you are spending what is not rightfully yours yet, you're unable to fulfill the principles of God. And so therefore you get trapped and you're limited to a freedom future. Remember, financial freedom requires principled faith. And I think today there is too much keeping up with the Joneses. It's amazing how that in one location, everybody seems to drive the same kind of car. It seems to do the same kinds of things. And by the way, if your surname is Joneses, I'm, I'm apologizing. But the thought is we put expectation on ourselves, which I don't think we should live trapped 
And we will have trapped if we're living on someone else's money. Some people say, well, you know, I can lease it. Yeah, you can, but you're borrowing something to do it if it's in excess. Uh, years ago, Marie and I, we did not have a strong financial start because we didn't understand what I've been sharing over this last uh, four weeks. And we had a large mortgage and there was an opportunity that came up where somebody was starting a new business. In fact, it was to do with plastic bags. And we thought about that. And we thought, wow, that would be cool. And they invited us to uh, put some money. Well, we said we haven't got any money, but we talked about it. And we thought, well, we could put some more money on the mortgage, even though we've got it down slightly. We could literally get a couple of hundred thousand off uh, the bank because of the mortgage, put it back on the mortgage and invest into the business. And it looked bright and it looked strong and everything looked good. And our heart was so that it would bring breakthrough in the future so we could help more people and get ahead. Well, the business didn't go well. Long story short, we lost everything. And I learned from that adventure that I was investing something I didn't own. And not only did I not own it or did we not own it, we couldn't control it. And there's a lot of pressure today to be using things that we shouldn't be using to get an advantage and we're putting the cart before the horse. All right, it's getting pretty quiet in here already. I'm not even starting to talk about spending yet, but thank God for North, for South, for West, for Central, for Chapel, for Melbourne, and of course, Adelaide. So I'm gonna go to six keys to wise spending. You ready? Make sure you're writing them down or you're gonna listen again and really get it down. The first one is there is a need to set a pre-planned budget. All right, for all of those non-budgeters in the house, if you don't learn how to budget, you will never lock the premature spending part out of the equation that some of us have. See, freedom always comes in every area of your life of living within God's boundaries. You can't have freedom and live outside of God's Word. It doesn't work that way. So to get a breakthrough, God says, come within the boundaries that I've set and you'll find freedom if you don't like budgeting, the truth is a pre-planned budget is gonna cause you to break through in your spending area. Proverbs 16, 9. A man or his, a man's heart, what does he do? He plans his way. And then the Lord, or but the Lord directs his steps. There are two parts of the equation. You've got to set a plan and then God can come with the plan. If you don't have a plan, you're gonna go away and go, man, I like that message, but nothing changed in six months' time. There needs to be pre-planned budgets. You say, you are really worked up. No, I'm just going fast. I'm not angry. Just angry at the devil. Verse 11 goes on, says, honest weights and scales are the Lord's. Woo! God has got a plan. God's got weights. God's got scales. God's got formulas. God's got principles. God's got pathways. And if we don't bring it into this, you know, sometimes we're, we're in this place, where I don't know where all my money went. No budget, no, no. If you don't have a budget, you don't know. Uh, Marie and I are very different. Most marriages, people are very different. We're in love. I keep reminding the church, she married up. I married up, we're in it together. She left home at 15, had nobody teach her about money. 
I come from a Dutch family. <laughs> Couldn't be two more opposites. It's kind of like, you will work. Yes, we will work. No, you will work. My dad said to me, you're gonna do this. And so I've had to help Marie in the early years about budgeting. I don't even know if she can write the word out yet, but it, budgeting, it's kind of like, just, okay. <laughs> I crossed the line, Lord forgive me. It's like, but, the, but the thought is, I said, well, we just get some accounts or get an account, you break it down. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know, I, that's not me. I said, okay, we get envelopes. We write on the envelope the area that we're budgeting and then when we get paid, we, we, we go to the teller or back then or then you go to the, the thing in the wall. It just gives you money. You get that, you put it into the envelopes and then when you have to pay, it comes out of the envelopes. So we broke the code. I have been suspicious, I must admit, over the years how some money I think would jump from one envelope to the... And she assures me that there's no way. <laughs> or you take the grandkids out and, and, and they want something. I go, well, I, I've got no money. They just said, swipe your phone, Papa. <laughs> it's all in the phone. But there's no pre-planned budget. And if we're not good at budgeting, I am trying to be today very, very practical. If you don't pre-plan it, it's not good. You don't, a budget is not based on what you want. It's what you have. Got to write it down. You got to look at your whole income. By the way, the person who does not know where their next dollar is coming from is often the person who does not know where their last dollar went. Budgeting. So you say, I need help in that area. Go to our Life app. We've got a budgeting tool, both for New Zealand and Australia. It has the taxes at the different tax rate and you can put in your percentages and you can begin a pathway of pre-plan budgeting. By the way, if it comes to budgeting, every dollar should have a name. Well, I only get $100 free a week or a month. Every dollar should have a name. When you start to pre-plan your budget, you are going to find a freedom you never had before. Secondly, understand the danger of debt. But debt will get me what I want right now. I've often used this illustration. You walk into some airports and they've got a nice shiny car where you're checking in and it's got all of the explanation as to how good this car is. And then there's a sign on the side that says 0% deposit, 0% interest. You can buy this for this amount of money. What it doesn't have is the moment you buy it, you are losing 15%. So we have never thought, and so we think, oh, we could get that car because literally we don't have the money to buy it, but through, uh, be, 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 because or through the system, we can get it now. It was Thomas Jefferson who said, never spend money before you have earned it. Wow, that's a big one. Could you imagine how free you would become if you never spent money until you had earned it? It gets even deeper when you go to the Scripture. Proverbs 22 and verse 7, it says this, that the rich rules over the poor. So there have got to be a lot of people today that are currently being dominated by what they are indebted to. 
It doesn't say it's over. No, it rules over the poor because the borrower is servant to the lender. So as soon as you step into debt, you are under the control of the debt you've just entered into, particularly if it's what I call destructive debt. When we borrow money we don't have to buy something that has a depreciating background to it, it's a depreciating asset, you are already putting yourself further back in the money equation. You say, yeah, but I need a car, do you? Most of the world own a car. Lots of people walk. I couldn't walk. Well, there are buses, there are trains. Okay, they're not that regular here in Auckland yet. I'm just challenging you to say, do you actually? I'm saying, I think the Bible says, don't become servant. So we've got to look at it, make a different way. Or, hey, listen, some of the uh, money lending businesses, you can borrow this up to 10,000 or borrow this up to 50,000. And if you read the fine print, it's nine to 15%. That means you're gonna pay 50% more within just over three years. So you're going further back and further back because you haven't understood that there is danger in debt and debt, any debt that directs our freedom to live the way that God wants us to live, even people with money go into debt and things and it stops them doing what God's asking them to do. Oh, well, God will get me up. No, God doesn't pay for your debt. There's nowhere in Bible that the Bible says God pays for your debt. It, he pays for the debt of salvation, but not material debt. It's our responsibility to hear practical teaching around the area of money and say, okay, I need to understand there is big danger in debt. Let's go further. Proverbs 17, 17. You know, a friend, a true friend, loves at all times. And a brother is born for those tough times of adversity. Note the next verse. This does not extend to borrowing money. It says, a man who is devoid of understanding shakes his hand in a pledge and becomes a guarantor for a friend. Oh, you're a friend, you'll get me through this. No, I'm so much a friend that I'm not gonna create an opportunity for you to carry a weight you're not ready for. Because moment you move into debt, you're under a weight that maybe you are not ready for. The same, same thought goes into Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. Most of us have not had this training when we were young. And so we've got patterns of living that literally are surrounding us. And as I said here, the Bible, the rich lords it over the poor. The borrower is servant or subservient to the lender. The banks could change their interest rates. It could jump by 5%. And a lot of people in our current climate here in New Zealand, and I'm sure it's the same in Australia, could be in absolute financial turmoil. And we've got to understand the danger of debt. Get some help around debt. You go to God speaking to His nation, Israel, in Deuteronomy 15 and verse six. It says, for the Lord, your God will bless you just as He promised. Then he says to Israel, you shall lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You shall reign over many nations and they will not reign over you. You've got to realise that right through the teaching of Scripture, 
there is this state. You've got to get a breakthrough financially so that you're able to help others, but you're not in a place where you become in bondage to debt. The third president of the US, Thomas Jefferson, said, never spend the money before you've earned it. Okay, just take that one thought. Have we spent what we haven't earned and right now it's depreciating and we don't even know it, but we're going further back? And we're saying, God, would you help me out of this? And he says, but you keep walking backwards. You, you keep thinking it's better. Maybe for some of us, we've got to sell some of the things we've purchased. Whoa. Because we've overexpended and now that is lording over us. We've got to downsize. If you look at any teaching or good communication around debt, they would always say, get your smallest debt and conquer it. Because if you conquer the smallest one, you'll get encouraged to go further to conquer the next one and begin to work against that. You know, even in our annual offerings here at Life with the extra expansion that we do annually, I want our church, and we've been talking about this as a leadership, is let's not take up a commitment from the congregation that's 12 months out. Let's teach people how to put seeding aside so that when it comes to something better or, or bigger and expansion, we can take out of what we've already put aside rather than giving away what is not ours to give. Oh, I thought somebody get excited about that. It's like, how do we learn? How do we begin to move on in this area? Understand the danger of debt. Thirdly, activate financial accountability. Whoa, this is a big one. If, hear me here, you, you can not like me afterwards. If in this area of money, there is a struggle, whether you've got a lot or a little. And by the way, there are more people with a lot of money that are struggling than you would ever realize because it's controlling them. It doesn't, it, it's not in the balance of God. Where is your financial accountability? You can't break a struggle that's been there for years without accountability. You can't take new ground without accountability. Our human nature is too soft it doesn't have the ability for most of us to be able to break through. We need wise counsel and accountability. That will help us not to go with our impulses, but to have a planned pathway that we have decided we want to get to. And so we're going to say, in fact, I, I, I'm, I'm committed here at Life to have a whole money ministry established so that you can go to people that have broken through and have got the balances and find out how to do that. We support CAP and we partner with CAP and that helps people in debt, but just in every area, if you don't have financial accountability, I think the enemy can use it, whether you have a lot or nothing. Happy is the man, Proverbs 3.13, who finds wisdom. You gotta go and find it. Who gains understanding. It just doesn't come with a pep talk on a Sunday morning. For her proceeds, wisdom and understanding are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. Warren Buffett, who at one time, I don't know where he stands now, was the third richest man in the US, said this, Live a, uh, life is a level playing field. Everyone can learn what I have learned. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm not wired that way. Yeah, but you can get people in your word and become accountable so that they can teach you what you never learned as a child. Activate financial accountability. Live, number four, within your means. Okay, this is where I want you to really hear this. Whatever your means are, the first step to freedom is 
to live within it. Prove that you can master what you have to break through into what God has for you. Got to limit our spending basically to our current income. You go, how do we do that? We focus on delayed gratification. It's kind of like, yeah, but I need it. Maybe you do, but not now. Because I've got to live within my means. When we got married, I see young people getting married, spending lots of money now, money they don't have, and maybe parents that can't afford it. And it's like, you want to, you know, kind of screw up your next two years? You want to find yourself in a place where you haven't got the freedom that God's promised you? You've got to live within your means. It's not about impressing everybody. It's about doing what you love to do. We can do it so differently. There's so many different ways we can have a look at it. I've told this story every time I think I've done a series. When we first got married, we had no money. We had six months to pay off our wedding and we kept it as tight as we could. We were both working, but boy, did we need a washing machine. And Marie told me, if you wanna stay married to me, you will be the washing machine in the bathtub. No, she didn't say it like that. I said, I'll do it. So with my big feet, my feet are bigger than hers. I could be in the bathtub with some soap and we did the washing. Six months into it, we saved up some money. We bought a secondhand twin tub washing machine, which you could get three shirts in. And I was like, we were in revival, baby. Because you could put those three shirts in or 10 socks and they would be clean and I didn't have to be in the bath to do it. Principally, that's the way we've lived our lives. Yeah, but you have to have a washing machine, do you? Well, talk to 90% of the world who don't have one like you have one. It's kind of like, there are other ways you go, yeah, but then man, my life will be small. No, it won't, stay with me. Proverbs 28 verse nine, the one who tills their land will have plenty of bread. So begin to work with what you've got. Stop saying it's not fair and it's okay for everyone else. But the one that follows frivolity will have poverty enough. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. That's not just get money, but that's to get all the things you would like to have. But in the season, you've got to live within your means. You know, you go to sales. Again, this is something Marie and I have talked about. 70%. It's like, wow. Or 50%. Yeah, what's the small words? Up to. Or honey, this was 50%, so I got two. Oh no. It's kind of, that's okay if you're in that place and God wants us to get to a place of freedom. Have you checked your budget before you spend? Dave Ramsey has somebody who works with him, Rachel Cruz, and she put this illustration. Have a look at the screen right now. You'll have to be quick if you wanna take it with your phone, take a picture of that and you can look at it. So it, it's on sale, what do I do? I've got to ask some questions. Uh, do I already own one? No. Then I go, does it cost more money to have? Uh, no. Is it clothing? No. Is it food? Yes. Is it a Girl Scout selling it? Buy it. <laughs> Those Girl Scout cookies, how many could say amen to that? Or if it's clothing and I don't have a lot of money and it's for a dog, don't buy it. So have a look. It's quite fun actually of going, you've got to have the point being a process. Whew. Live within your means. What are we up to? Number four or five? 
Number five, increase your income source. Well, I can't live with it. I, I wanna live a better life than just within my lead. Then you've gotta start thinking about increase your income source. It's not necessarily about working longer or sometimes it is. It's about working harder and smarter. If you want a promotion where you work, work harder and smarter. And if you have a boss that's worth living for, they'll recognise that. And promotion is already being unlocked. Remember we said, Ecclesiastes 10, 19, a feast is made for laughter, wine makes merry, but money answers everything. Material freedom results from money no longer have us when we begin to realise I can expand the sphere of my income. I'm gonna think about it differently. I'm not just gonna be trapped by living within my means, but now I'm gonna begin to think about how could I increase my income? Here's another scripture, Ecclesiastes 10, 18, preceding the thought that money answers everything. Because of laziness, the building decays. And because of idleness of hands, the house leaks. I've made mention that I have Dutch parents, eight kids. So Saturday mornings, we didn't go and play with our friends. We worked till one o'clock. And it wasn't just kind of working, it was working. I shared with my dad and mum that I'd like to get a motorbike. One day, I think I was about 11. They said, well, you're going to high school. You need to get a job then. Yeah, but I've got to study. No, you need to get a job. So I worked at Zenith Garden Center Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday after school and all day Saturday. It's an amazing thing that people look at others that are on a pathway of breakthrough, but they don't realize that increasing your income source is a lot to do with how you spend your time. Let me put it like this. Work won't kill, but enlarge you. Oh, well, I couldn't do that. I'm not wide today. One of our sons said, while he was a teenager, I'm not like anyone else. There's no way I could work 40 hours. <laughs> to his credit these days, he's working a lot more than that. And it's amazing how our paradigms lock us where we're at. Thomas Edison, a great inventor, said, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. Well, I'm just praying on an altar call that opportunities will come. So I worked for my entire high school year, but at the age of 15, I paid for cash a brand new Honda 125 trail bike. And there was nothing like it when I bought that sucker. I didn't sleep that first night thinking if somebody stole that from the garage, I'm gonna stay here awake just in case. I'm gonna protect that because that's cost me a lot of years. Okay, is this okay today? <laughs> Let me make it really practical. Again, I'm talking to all the campuses. You and the person next to you, you and me, we all get 168 hours a week. How many of those hours are we spending in non-harvest returning activity? Mm. I think you'd be shocked if you stopped. Yeah, but man... You know, life is busy. Well, hey, let's give you eight hours every night of the seven days to sleep. That'll take up 56 hours. Let's 
take 112 hours to eat, not all of those 112 hours, to travel, to replenish, to connect, to have hobbies, to do things, that still would leave you with 60 hours to work. But I thought you're gonna wave a magic wand and we're gonna get a breakthrough. No, the challenge is for all of us, if we wanna do what God wants us to do, I remember we're in a building program in Sydney and we're on a very limited income, Marie and I, and we had no money in the bank. It's like, well, we feel like we wanna do something. I said to Marie, what, what we could do is we could take our wage, my wage in church and go, hey, we'll work the full time, but only pay us for three days and take the other two days towards the building. And then, because I'm practical, I said, I, I could build something. So I ended up building coffee tables and we sold in the markets on Saturday. And I had wood all through the garage and I would cut it and I would do it after work hours. In fact, I did it in the big car park of the church for some of the time. And it increased our income to be able to see ourselves move forward and reach the God target we had. Whereas sometimes we just think this is all gonna change and this is tough preaching, but it's from a heart. That if it's not working currently, increase your income source. Proverbs 6 verse six, the Bible's stronger than I am this morning. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. And just consider the ant. And I often, because I know the scripture, in summer, I'll just watch what the ants do. None of them are stopping and going, oh, I'm just burnt out. (laughs) Oh, man, this is too big an obstacle to get over. It's just like, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going. Consider her ways and be wise. She has no captain, no ruler, no overseer, provides her supplies in summer, gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you keep slumbering, O sluggard? When is it you're gonna get out of your bed? This is a great verse for teenagers. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Here it is, this is God's word. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler. You'll never see it coming, but you'll end up in a life of restriction. Here's a thought, out of work. Why don't you work for free for a while? Get out of your lounge room, find the place you wanna go to, Offer your services for three months without need of pay. You will start changing the direction of your life. Maybe there's a season where you need a second job because we want to increase our income source. Proverbs 22, 29. Come on, team, come and join me. Do you see a man who excels in what? In his work. That one will stand before kings. They will not stand before unknown men. There is a need for us to recognize we've got to take responsibility to set a pre-planned budget, understand the danger of debt, activate financial accountability, live within our means, increase our income source. And finally, as I said at the beginning, all the way through the series, to commit to God's financial pathway. Who knows best? Circumstance? Our past journey? Or is it God that goes... I've got it. We've read already how that God says, if you do it my way, who is the man that fears the Lord? Proverbs 25. Who is in awe of God? Who honours God? Who says, maybe I don't feel like I can do it, but God, you know best. I, I, I respect you, God. That one, God will teach in His way, the way that He chooses and He will end up in prosperity. 
His descendants will inherit the earth. You know, I had a container up on the screen. We're going to put it up again. And this is what we've been teaching is that there is a God that says there are five things that happen to our money. Come on, Jeremy. Karenina, come and join me. Maybe I'll pick on Melissa and Jairus. Why don't you come and join me? If I could put it like this, in fact, yeah, how many? We need one more. Why don't we have Geneva? Come on, five. Every time we increase, this is what we've been teaching. And I want you to go back if you haven't been here. And God says, this is the way, the first tenth that you get is a tenth that goes to me. So I think our average New Zealand income is $56,000. $56,784 is today's average income. That's about 1092 a week. God says the first tenth goes to me. Who looks most godlike? Karenina. <laughs> Karenina, yep. I honour you and your way works. So I'm trusting you. I'm inviting you over my increase this week. That belongs to you. That's called stewarding. Then you got the tax man. <laughs> Geneva's saying, Jeremy, Jeremy. That's what tax men do. They point the finger at someone else. So, <laughs> so, so we would say, well, then you should honour God with your tax. Your tax on that amount is approximately $193. So you're $193. Love your tax man. You're building our country, don't always agree, but we're here and we honour you. <laughs> Stewarding, tax, what does that leave? That leaves what we call our disposable income, which would mean we'd have $719 left of, if we were doing the 10, 10, 10, 80. As we've said, maybe start somewhere, seed with 2% and then save with 2% and live on 96 and then grow that percentage. But of course, we steward because God is first. We render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And then out of our disposable income, we go, all right, 10% of that, which is $79, is going to go to seeding. So we're going to sow. That means we can invest that money wherever we feel to bless someone else. That's how we can build the bigger purposes of the kingdom through that. So thank you that in that seeding, there's multiply harvest. My thought is you gotta lock your seeding and saving together. So I felt like Melissa needed the saving one. She's my daughter-in-law. She told me adamantly this morning that she's got no problem with spending. She's got that down pat. Well, I felt moved today. And Luke, you will thank me for a long time. This is for saving, not spending. It ultimately is what you're putting aside to go generationally. And you're creating a foundation you never began with, but your echo will be a generational echo because money doesn't grow on trees, it grows on generational trees. And then there's Jairus. This is spend, bro. Money, money, money. When you spend, listen, within your means, you're free. You're free. You can enjoy. You can do what you like with your spending because it's your money. You can buy what you want because it's your money. You're seeding, you're honouring through stewarding, you're saving. Come on, let's give the team a, a real thank you for that. Yeah. 
I want to encourage you today that God has got an answer for every one of us. Every campus, let's stand. I want to pray for you today. And we're going to declare that God has an answer. Just look this way one more time. Thank you for your response today because this is deep stuff. None of anything changes in this part of your world unless you activate and live principally. Father, we just acknowledge our need of You. Holy Spirit, You are with us. You're in us. You lead us. We pray that You'll empower us to recognize what we need to institute so that we can find the wonder of the freedom that we're talking about. How that spending literally, that is unnecessary, robs freedom. So spending correctly creates freedom. And we pray that You will lead us to new levels in Jesus' Name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.